Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. One of these entry passageways and exits of this city has a significant role to play in who the church is and what she's responsible for. So let's pray that God might make this, uh, this gate an understanding to you so that you can also receive the Word of God and that it not be watered down, that it, if, if, if He turned water into wine, surely we're not to turn the wine back into water of no effect and no influence, but it should be just as intoxicating, just as passionate, just as sharp as He sent it out from the beginning. Father, we give You thanks tonight for Your goodness in this place. We know, Lord, that your word resounds in the temple. And we who stand by night in the house of the Lord, we lift up our hands, Lord, and we say we, we love you, we need you. We know that we cannot live without the sustenance of your word. You said man shall not eat and live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And Lord, we don't want the wisdom of men. We're not interested in theological dispute and debate we want the unadulterated word that comes as the breath of God producing the life of God sowing the seeds of that life into our hearts cutting into us which with that awesome uniqueness of a double-edged sword that pierces even to the depth of our being Lord and father we pray Lord that this word not be one that tickles us but one that transforms us one that does a perfect work transforming our deception into truth and giving witness to those things that are more excellent and let your word not return void but let it perform the work for which you sent it out O God and let this word issue forth to every preacher in the land that instead of words of men and words of carnality and human wisdom that your words might be in our lips that that word would purify us and do a great job in our hearts, Lord. We give you thanks for the truthfulness of your word, O Lord. And we ask you to bless it and to send it forth and multiply it and let your words expand your kingdom. The declaration of your government be established first in our lives and then in the lives of those around us, in our families, Lord, in our nation. We pray that your word would be the difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we begin to write the chapter on the Watergate, we begin understanding that this word is a lifeline. It's a continual word that satisfies us and satisfies our soul in the midst of drought, in arid places. The word of God, and this is one of my, one of my clear understandings of the work of God in our lives is, is the word having access to my life. And wherever I'm having a uh, a trial, whenever I'm having a difficulty in a situation, I'm expecting the Word of God to come. I'm expecting to cultivate and make reception, to receive that Word of God that begins to satisfy my life. And we see this in Genesis chapter 1, if we could go there. And this is the beginning of all things. When we see in Genesis chapter 1 that the first, Bible, uh, the first verses of the Bible start speaking of of that 
creation of God since the beginning. I, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we know for a fact that in His creation, um, everything is, is in existence because God the Creator performed that. And something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And we all have a form and we all have an existence. But there's something that takes place when the earth in verse 2 loses its order. Loses its fullness, its fruitfulness. And total darkness covers the face of the deep. And it's there that this is an example that is a foundation to everything that will ever take place in our life. And I was telling Joey this afternoon as he came over to my house, I said, Joey, the expectations of what was missing as we were remodeling our home the last three years... The only reason that these things took order and were restored and remodeled is because God spoke in our direction. His word was able to be manifest in that lot over there in the southwest area. Because if you would have seen that place two years ago, it looked like the very depth of hell in disarray and disorder. No walls, no air conditioning, no electricity, no light. And so there is what our life reflects, our families reflect. 30 years ago when we came to the Lord, our life was without form. It was a total chaotic scenario. Darkness had enveloped our lives. And so the only difference between disorder and chaos and unfruitfulness and darkness is that through the Spirit of God, God would move our li- in our lives and in verse 3, He begins to do His work. And in verse 3, it says that God said. This is the word that proceeds from God's very mouth when He says, let there be light. And there was light. And this is, we see it since the beginning. The power of His word creating everything out of nothing. Bringing into light the things that we long for and delight and in any direction. God does nothing without preceding His work with His word. And that's why it's so important that the church might restore the pulpit. Because there's no way to fix the families. There's no way to fix the nation. There's no way to fix the government unless the Word of God is issuing forth in all of its purity. And thus, restoring the Watergate means making sure that we are bringing to the pulpit and to the church and to our lives the unadulterated, the uncompromised, the, the letting the full weight, the full force and effect of that word. And let me tell you something, people that are set on disorder cannot stand the word of God. People that are set in darkness do not want the word of God to come because the word of God is a light that exposes and manifests that which is twisted. It divides that which is good from that which is bad. It's that very cutting edge. And God uses His Word to begin to establish all things in creation. And He continues to desire that that Word would be effective in our lives. He desires that the Word would be awesome and proceed out of His mouth as sharp it is as when it came out of His heart. And we know nowadays 
that the compromise of His Word, they've called it so many things. They've called it not modern. Today I was accused. He's, they said, uh, you're prehistoric. You're ancient in your thought systems. And I said, and you're super modern. <laughs> you're super advanced. You have fallen ahead of God. You want to live beyond and above His order for your life. And so here, the Word of God is the only substance that gives church the true vitality and strength that God purposed us to have. It's the heavenly manna. It's the Word that feeds us, that nourishes us. I tell you the truth that any other conversation is just, um, it falls on the wayside. It has no substance to it. It'll malnourish you. It will weary you. It will waste you. But the Word of God renews your vitality. The Word of God renews your strength. Faith is put into action through the Word of God coming to your life. It's something about it. When you hear what God has said and you follow it with the Word, get ready with me, and say, Amen. When you shout Amen, you're saying, Lord, let your Word have full force and effect. And that's why in the house of God, when you hear something that comes from the Word of God, you should shout, Amen! Amen. And don't let that Word pass you up because that very Word is your lifeline to produce the fruit in the life of God. And so the Bible says that there will be a day when people will not, uh, they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want the words like they're to be spoken. In the book of Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Behold, in the last days there will be great famine. And this famine that will be on the land will not be a famine of bread, nor will it be a famine of water, but it will be a hearing of the words of God. I wonder what our lives would reflect if we would have given honor to His Word. If we would have given Him the weight and priority of His order. If we let the, the expressions of His light manifest in our families and in our home. And it says there, And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the Word of the Lord and shall not find it. Verse 12, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have access to the Word of God. I don't know how people could uh, live Monday through Friday without coming to midweek Bible study to have their Word. I don't know what they're eating. It's really scary that we would uh, forego the banquet of the Lord. It's a living Word. It's not like I heard this one before. This is, this is uh, past. It's a... Uh, it's an old fashioned. I've heard this word. Even as we speak tonight, we're being uh, restored in our understanding of what the word is supposed to produce in our lives. But a lot of people will sit there and twist in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. People will memorize scripture and then twist it to their own destruction, the Bible says. God forbid and God help us if we become unstable and untaught, twisting scripture. Twisting the words of God to our own destruction. And they start accommodating the word to their own needs. And that's what Satan was able to do since the beginning to man. When he started twisting what God had said. Did God in fact say? Did God in fact tell you? Did that word of God come that preserves you? Are you going to start playing with that? Are you going to start reasoning that? Are you going to start justifying 
Or are you going to say yes and amen? Lord, fulfill your purposes with the word of God that you've brought into my life. I want to encourage you that you would have a, a revival take place in your life. That you begin to tell God, I cannot live without your word. In my darkness, in my confusion, in my chaos, in the lack of my fruitfulness, in the lack of prosperity. You have promised that those who meditate upon your word day and night shall be like a tree planted next to the rivers of the waters. They shall be fruitful. Their leaves shall not wither. They shall not be frail, but they shall produce fruit in its season. And it's tied, Psalm number 1, is tied to the very relationship we have to the Word of God. That was the first thing when I started studying Scripture. I was starting to become a Christian and I was, I said, I want to be a prosperous man. And it was Bill Gothard, a man of God, who spoke the Word of God and taught the Word of God. He says, if you want to be prosperous in anything and everything you do, make sure your delight is in the Word of God. Make sure that you have restored the water gate. Make sure that your meditation day and night is His law because it will be like a tree planted by the river. Psalm 1 verse 3. You will bring forth fruit in the season God has prepared. You won't run ahead of the seasons. You won't run behind the seasons. Whenever anybody is confused, I ask them, do you have a word from the Lord? A friend of mine called me last night. And he says, they might have to amputate my leg. I said, you better go find yourself a word of God. You better not stand next to sinners. For the Bible says, blessed is the man who standeth not in the path of sinners. Psalm 1.1 says, let us not make our confidence the words of men. Let's not walk according to the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in that path of sinners, nor sit beyond those people uh, with regards to in company of those people that mock the word of God. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but his word abideth forever. There's a word for every season of your life. Make sure the word of God is not without effect because of your traditions. Many times the word of God has become like those women that told me this afternoon, you're antique, you're prehistoric, you're ancient. I said, I must be because I walk with the ancient of days. Amen. And the Bible says, seek that ancient path so that you can have rest for your souls. And the Word of God produces that peace and that joy. And it's powerful. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the description is made of the Word of God. Not of a butter knife. Not of a tickling device. Not to entertain, but to pierce the heart of man. We grow resistance to the Word of God. How horrible that we would have a cancer, a rebellious cell that grows attuned to that voice of, I'm going to church, but it has no effect on me. I'm going to church and I'm best friends with the pastor, like Richard Pryor said. I'm best friends with the pastor, but the words of the pastor doesn't produce conviction. It doesn't pierce my heart and leave me standing in need of repentance. The Bible says the Word of God is a sharp word. It pierces to the depth of dividing your emotions from your spirit. It pulls back the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of your thoughts and the intent of the heart. I, I pray that, 
There's people walking around that I've spoken to 25 years ago and says, I'll never forget what that pastor told me. I'll never forget the Word of God that came into my life and visited me in that season. Because it will follow them the remainder of their lives as they were cut to the heart because of the powerful, quick sharpness of that sword. The Jews and Paul was trying to uh, talk about the word he uses in Hebrews is a Greek word called the machiara. It's the term sword. It's a sharp instrument and dagger used by the Jewish priest to define those aspects of the sacrifice that needed to be removed and offered to God. It was razor sharp. It had two edges and it was repeatedly used without losing its sharpness. It was a surgical device. I know that some people use the Word of God just to harm people and just to make sure that, that they have a sword. They're like, ah, here you go. And why would you do that? No, I just wanted to make sure I bothered you. That's not the purpose of the Word of God. The Word of God is to bring healing. The Word of God is to bring increase, to remove those things which are, are defective and, and, and causing problems. The fame of this small little sword that was used during the sacrifices uh, was heard about by ancient warriors. They said, be careful, these guys have a machara that's so sharp that it digs into a bronze helmet worn by an opposing soldier. When he's in hand-to-hand combat, despite of its small size, the machiaria struck terror in its toughest foes. I pray that the Word of God that you carry on your lips affect those that come against you. Affect the lives of those that are calling lies truth. Affect those people that are calling the unholy holy. And far too insignificant preachers and Christians go around with a butter knife trying not to offend, trying not to affect their surroundings. They go unnoticed, unaffected. So much so that not even our children are cut and circumcised like Paul did with Timothy. When Paul met Timothy, he was a great young disciple, but he says, come here, son, you need to get circumcised. And we're not talking about circumcision of the exterior kind. We're talking about circumcision of the heart. You better take that word right into the heart of your children and let them know that it's supposed to not feel good, but it's supposed to cut to the deepest being and replace attitudes of rebellion and disobedience and indifference and apathy that will destroy your children. The Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 6, how will a young man be relieved of his waywardness? How will a young man depart from doing that which is wrong? What's it say? Let's go there real quickly. Verse 9. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed and watching according to your word. That's how you cleanse yourself. By making sure that you're living not according to your emotion, to your preference. Like this woman who's a transvestite told me today, this was my preference. And I told her your preference was wrong. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 22.5 that a man should not dress in women's clothing. It's very destructive. It leaves a legacy of total curse and chaos to the the coming generation. And so being able to meditate on these precepts. And David said in verse 15, Psalm 119, he says, I meditate upon your law and I have respect for your ways. 
verse 16. I will delight when your word comes out. I will not forget it. I won't speak louder than your word. I won't allow my children to speak louder than the advice of God. The lady today asked me, why are you putting that word in our midst? What does that word have to do with today? And I said, it has a lot to do with today. It draws a line between that which is right and that which is wrong. Without the word of God, I would be speaking the same nonsense. He says in verse 17, deal extravagantly with the full increase of your servant so I may live. And as you make me live and increase and become fruitful, he says, I will not forget your word. Verse 17, as I become fruitful as your servant and live, I will continue to observe, uh, observe your word, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. As you, as you increase and favor me, I'm not going to forget your word. He says in verse 18, your word opens my eyes. Open my eyes that I might behold the wondrous things that are out of your law. I tell my children if they want to prosper in this life, they must memorize scripture. The scriptures are what will keep us in the day of destruction, in the day of confusion. It will be uh, like Jesus when he was up against the arch enemy of God. Imagine that, that the the very devil would show up and come against you. And he didn't go and grab a, a lightning bolt or the sound of thunder. He didn't cause a lion to come. He said, it is written. This is truth. This is established reality. I don't care what you're telling me. But aren't you hungry? Yeah, but man shall not live by bread alone. But isn't God faithful? Throw yourself off. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so with every striking blow of the enemy, Jesus responded with the Word of God. And He knew that that was much more powerful. And that's what I want for my children. As they go out to the field, the Bible says in Psalm 126, it says that, that these children will be mighty because they will know how to respond to the enemies when they're in the midst of battle, when they're in the midst of, of the worst of confrontations, all those spirits of homosexuality, all those spirits of lust and depression and anxiety that come against our children. Psalm 127 says like this, verse 4, As arrows in the hand of mighty warriors, so are our children. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. These young men will not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies at their gate. I would love, I told you guys the story of my daughter coming up to me about five years ago. She was eight years old, maybe a little bit younger. And she says that we were riding horses on the mission field. And she says, Daddy, at night, the devil comes and says, your marriage is going to be destroyed and you and mom are going to end up getting divorced and, and we're not going to be together. And I was like, the devil's a bully. Why would he show up in the room of a five-year-old to confront her? Why would he do that? And I couldn't even respond to my daughter because we don't have issues at home with respect of arguments and divorce. But she has so many parents in her elementary school, so many students whose parents are getting divorced and they're not together anymore. And she says, I wonder when it'll be your turn. And the devil shows up and threatens me that you and mom are going to do the, the same thing. And I, I couldn't even respond. I was just blown away that her vulnerability would be attacked 
And, and she says, but dad, I rebuked him in the name of Jesus. And I told him, get out of my room, you liar. And so when you have children that know how to stand against the enemy speaking the word of God, we have mighty warrior children. And they will know how to respond to their, to their enemies at the gates. That's what it's speaking about here. How horrible it was for a young man to grow up in a pastoral home all his life. And when he's 21 years old, he goes, after, he goes out to Bible college and some little girl tells him, oh, you would look good if you had a tattoo all the way down your arm. And he went to the tattoo parlor and he put a tattoo all the way down his arm because he was unable to respond the word of God in that situation. Unable to stand for his convictions because there was no convictions. Because the, heart of, the word of God was not planted in his heart. He wasn't bold, and, and we're putting out young men that are not bold. They need to be bold. They need to have the Spirit of God in their lips. They need to not be ashamed and speak with the enemies at the gate and say, you're a pervert, you're twisted, you're confused, and I'm not. And I refuse to be led by somebody who's twisted and perverted and confused. And we would lift up children that would have a sharp sword in their hands. And more than just in their hands as they carry their Bibles to church, in their hearts, making a great effect, that word that is planted there. You know, there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. But Jesus said like this, you make it of no effect because you live contrary to the Word. You make it common. You make it Mark chapter 7, verse 13. You make the Word of God has nothing to do in your life. There's no prosperity. There's no fruitfulness. There's no blessing. There's no increase. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word. And why aren't these things in your life? Because there's no Word of God. You don't receive the Word of God. You receive Wall Street and the Miami Herald and the news and the TV reporters. Years ago, the Miami Herald came to our church and says, we want to do a deal with you. It's a fundraising deal. I said, yeah, what is that? We will give you all newspapers on Sunday morning. It'll be at your doorsteps at the church at 5 o'clock in the morning. You can sell it for a dollar and keep 50 cents. Sunday paper's a dollar, 50 cents. I said, you mean I could fill my congregation with the cares of this life that chokes the word of God, and you guys will give me 50%? I said, stick it in your ear, not interested. Not interested in making our lives convoluted and causing the Word of God without power. It's ridiculous. And Jesus said it, you make the Word of God having no prosperity, no fruitfulness. There is no light in your life. There is depression because the Word of God has no place in you. You continue walking in your customs and traditions and many such things that you do cultivate. And I'm... I can't stand a Christian who speaks worldliness. You can say amen there. Because a, a, a Christian who's speaking worldliness means he's more friends with the world. That means he's at enmity with the work of God in his life. There's no increase. There's worry. And the Bible says the worry chokes the seed. And when you're choking the seed, there's no fruitfulness. Thus, I would encourage you to cancel your newspaper subscription and pick up a new Bible. And start reading the Word of God so that it would have its effect in your life and in your family and in your future. I'd rather believe God every day than believe man. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, I believe, says, Let every man be a liar, 
Let every economist be a liar, every psychologist be a liar, every doctor be a liar, and let God's word be true. God wants us to show us His power and His strength. God wants us to see His light and not walk in the void, unfruitful works of darkness. Psalm 119 verse 11, that was David's secret to even defeat temptation and sin. And I had these battles in my life as a young man, and I said, Lord, how will I ever become a warrior? You're not much of a warrior if you can't fight. And every, every time temptation and sin comes in your life, it's taking you down. Then you start searching the Scriptures and trying to find the, the morsels and nuggets of goodness. And it says, by your word, I have hidden in my heart. What for? So that I might not err. So that I might not sin. Because how is it that when we're confronted with opposition, the first thing we want to do is take a step off the cliff. We take a step in the wrong direction of unbelief. We take a step in the wrong direction of divorce. And you know why? Because the Word of God is not in our hearts. And we're following after the counsel of sick Poor and stupid people. That was, was to not be healthy, wealthy, and wise. To be sick, poor, and stupid. And you have these type of counsels coming out, issuing forth, stealing the things that God wants you to do. Stealing the very blessings God has for you. Like I told my friend last night, you better have a word of God before you let a surgeon cut your foot off, my friend. You better have that Word of God which is perfect and it's, it comes in season and it gives understanding. All the things that the Word of God does real quick, just we don't have time for it all, but the Word is food that sustains us. It's a sword that we uh, can wield. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a mirror that we can see our reflection. It converts the soul. When you're depressed, you want to get not depressed, you want to grow with joy and peace, get into the Word of God. Find the promises of God for your life. It spiritually resurrects people. In Psalm 119 verse 50, he says, your very Word gives me life. It gives light. It gives understanding. It delivers you. I love that, that Psalm 107 verse 20. Can we go there real quick? Psalm 107. In the... In the shackles of, of captivity, when we're stuck in a situation that we can't get out of, what's the Word of God say? Psalm 107. Verse 20. He sent His Word and He healed them and He delivered them from their destruction. Wouldn't you want God to send His Word right now and put an end to everything that has made you sick, Ill, ill? Anything that is, is holding you captive? Anything that's holding back the promises of God? That's the first thing that I told a young man who came to me some years ago. It was about 10 years ago. He came up to me. He says, I want to commit suicide. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. You've been a Christian for 10 years. Can you tell me what in your life is contradicting the Word of God? What are you doing that is opposite than the Word of God tells you to do? You know what he answered? Everything. And so I told him, you should want to commit suicide. 
The very absence of God's life in you is the consequences of death and darkness. You want to not feel that way? Start doing what the Word of God says. Start being obedient and walk according to His realities. He sent His Word. He didn't send His angels. He didn't send an army. He sent His Word and He healed them and He broke the bonds of chain and captivity in every direction. That's probably why it says in John chapter 8, verse 32, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. Maybe it's the truth that's lacking in our lives and in our families and in our future that has us all concerned and fearful and absent any creative thought. John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth, separate them, let them inherit what you have for them. Your word is truth. I don't have to go to an accountant or a psychiatrist or an economist or a politician. I need to go find me the Word of God. I need to find out what God is saying about my situation that I might inherit the things He has for me. And it's there where the Bible says that it's His Word that washes us. It's His Word that cleanses us from thoughts that are uh, honorary. You know, the first thoughts that come to my mind are really twisted whenever I'm in a hurry. I'm like, Lord, delete, delete, delete. What do you say? Get this out of my life because this is stinking thinking. These are not the thoughts you want me to have. I want the thoughts you want me to have. I want to walk in the ways you have prepared for me to walk in. Those works that have been there since the beginning of earth creation that I might walk in so that you might be glorified. So my life might reflect your glory. And sometimes we're uh, sitting there at the sewer trying to figure out what we're going to do. Oh, lift your eyes to the heavens. And that's where your word, your, your help comes from, from Him who made the heavens and the earth. And the promise in Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, that if you get attuned to those words, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, if you begin to carefully follow His commandments, which He commands you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth. The connection with prosperity is the Word of God. It's not the economy, stupid. It's the Word of God. It's not the economy. You know, we go out there and we listen to WIOD. We listen to all these worldly stations. We hear everybody getting prostate cancer, diabetes, cancer, uh, all sorts of illnesses. That's not for you, my friend. Set yourself free and listen to the Word of God. It will be health to your bones. It will set you away from the fear and the anxiety that follows those that are walking contrary to His Word. Verse 13 says, if you are connected to the Word of God, then you, He will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. If only you would hearken unto the commands of the Lord, that He commands you this day, and it's not only to be a hearer of His Word, but to be a doer of His Word. To do them, to observe them, to meditate, to contemplate, to pursue them. Verses 15 through 68 says, If you do not, my friend, you will begin to experience the worst nightmare any human being will ever be able to experience, full with cancer, tumors, and all sorts of stricken blindness and disease you did not know. Because all the stuff that comes into our life to cause fear, to come and to ambush and intimidate and manipulate, come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But He has brought you life 
that you might live large. I have brought you life so that you might live it in abundance. Choose this day who you will hear. Matthew 7, 24, for if you hear the word of God, you will be like a wise man who constructs an incredible building on the rock. But he who listens to the word of God and does not do them, verse 25, he who listens to the word of God and does not do them, I will liken him to a fool, verse 26. As the problems in life come, and you have listened to the word of God, but you did not build your house on the rock, but upon the sands of time, on the influence of circumstance, on the occasion of where the wind is blowing. It says as the waves increase, the tsunamis, as the floods rise, the winds blow, hurricanes, tornadoes. And it says as the rains fall, the fool who did not build his life according to the word of God will come down in verse 27, with a great crash, the house fell, and it was a great fall. I don't know what you're depending on, but me and my house are depending on the Word of God. Me and my house are standing on the Word of God. We'd rather believe God than believe anything upon the earth. And here as I read 2 Timothy 3.16, the justification by why some people do not want the Word of God, and I find all these Scriptures. We're reading 2 Timothy 3.16. All the words of God are given by His breath. What I've spoken tonight has not been my mind. It's been the mind of Christ. You've got to get to a church where they're preaching the Word of God and not some philosophical, theological, ecclesiastical, doctrinal garbage. Can we get to 2 Timothy, please? Chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by God's breath. I, I love that. God comes to your life and, and just blows his, his counsel, His Word. Do you cherish it? Do you receive it? Do you guard it? It's profitable. It teaches you truth. It teaches you what is right. It calls you back from what is wrong. Doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what you're doing wrong. Correction is how to bring you back. Instruction is how to continue in your future. It's the east, north, west, and south GPS of everything you'll ever need. Let God do that in your life. Let Him speak what is right. Let Him tell you what is wrong. Let Him call you back from being in the wrong place. And let Him instruct you on how to keep the course. All these, all these verses that are found there. It says in verse 17, is so that you might be fully and completely ready for everything God has for you. It's, it's, it's that, that radar that sets up in your family, in your business, in your ministry, in your economy. This is what has blown me away about the Word of God. That it comes to bring an order in every, it order your thoughts. It tells you what to think upon. Do you know what to think upon? Philippians 4.8. Everything pure, everything right, everything good. Think upon these things. I can't. Why? Because I'm worrying. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything lift up your needs to prayer. How often should I pray every time you worry? Bring it up to God in prayer. Do what the Word of God says, and the peace of God will keep your hearts and your mind. But we don't do the Word of God. So it comes to make us thoroughly equipped 
thoroughly ready for everything God wants for us, it tells the devil, hey, scooch to side. I'm not to think on those things. But what are you going to do? It doesn't matter. I don't worry about tomorrow. I seek first the kingdom of God. And the blessings of God follow me. I don't seek them. The Gentiles seek these things. That's why they perish. But you and I will seek after what the Bible instructs us. We'll, expe- uh, we'll, we'll seek out to honor God, to serve God faithfully. To not walk in barrenness and unfruitfulness. As I read these, these aspects of uh, it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. I say these are all the terms that you use in an orthopedical surgeon's office. It comes to, to do things in your life to correct, to pull things out of joint and back into the place they belong. And as I see these things, I see that they're not very pleasant, but they're, they're awesome as they produce the fruit that God intended. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 10 says, I sought around for a good word. Excuse me, sir, what are you doing in this church? Well, I'm looking around for a good church. I could have adultery, I could lie, I could cheat, I could steal, and I could feel good. Well, this ain't your church, buddy. Because the word of God that comes out of here is to correct, it's to instruct, it's to reproof, it's to call your attention, it's to rebuke those that need to be rebuked, it needs to affirm those that need to be affirmed, the thumbs up on those people that are walking according to the heart of God. The preacher sought out to find acceptable words, things that would be pleasant. But he found out in verse 11 that any word that comes out of the preacher's mouth, verse 11, the words of the wise are like nails. The words of scholars are like, like uh, thorns. They're well driven. They're, they're like those given by a shepherd when he's shepherding his flock into the right direction. You want a place that you're not deceived. You want a place where truth prospers. You want a place where the Word of God is not compromised. Let's go to Psalm 19 and we'll finish with this. All the incredible benefits of the Word of God that I have seen in my life and are very pleasant. It begins to do a perfect work in your life in, in many areas. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. I don't care if you agree with it or not. At the end, it will show forth its truth. There's a lot of things in the Word of God I didn't understand. But I, I have decided to put my lot in what God has said. And you read with me when it says that it converts your soul? It's supposed to do something with the way you're feeling that's not right. The testimony of the Lord is pure, is sure. It'll come to pass. The counsel of God will stand. It makes wise the simple. The people that don't have it together don't know where they're going. All of a sudden they start getting wisdom just by repeating the words of God. Verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord, these are right, even though everybody contradicts them. And when you live the Word of God, guess what it does? It brings joy to your heart. It rejoices the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens your eyes. It allows you to see what other people do not see. And verse 9, we finish with this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. When you put them all together, they revive you, they renew you. They bring you life, wisdom, practical, down-to-earth advice so that you could rejoice in your heart and your eyes can be open to things you wouldn't otherwise see. It will help you clearly to endure all those things in this life. And as the grass withers and the flower fades, 
Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The word of God endures forever. It has no expiration. You live according to the word of God and you'll be the hippest and the most prosperous and the most fruitful in every area. Let's stand tonight and ask God to revive his word in our hearts. Let not your heart grow callous to his word. Let, it, let not you become a philosopher and a, a disputer and a, a person who is, is poetically and literarily exposing and, and seeing what the Word of God says historically. No, let it be living and true. The Bible says that the devil knows all the Word of God, but he obeys none of it. You don't want to be a perfect devil. The fact that you know everything written in Scripture doesn't make you a Christian because the devil's not a Christian. The fact that you know all the, all the mysteries and you know all the, the, the aspects of the words of God, the hermeneutics like they call it in seminary, all these things have nothing on the preciousness of making it a fresh word from the Lord. Last night as I was invited to share at my oldest son's ring ceremony, he's graduating from high school next year, so as a junior they give him his graduation ring. And they invited me to speak to all these graduates. And, and I said, Lord, I could get there with significant understanding of your word and just speak a couple things. Can you give me what you want to speak to them? What's your word for this season of their life? And it was the most powerful word. It was the most amazing word. Because if we go to God and we ask him, could you speak to me about this situation? Could I have the counsel as, as what's going on in this area. And then God shows up. And if you give him that, those, those declarations, that, that type of proclamation, Lord, give me your word. Take me out of the trouble I'm in. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'm reading Proverbs 12, 13. And it says, evil men are constantly ensnared by their sinful talk. Can we read that real quick? Post it up, please. Proverbs 12, 13. I'm wondering how speaking ungodly words influenced by ungodly people at ungodly times, surrounding ourselves by those that do not have the word of God in their lips, ensnare us in transgressions. But the Bible says that the words of the righteous will bring them through their trouble. If a, a righteous man is seeking the word of God in the midst, you know, you surround yourself by men of God. One of the reasons I went in December, in January, I went to go see Wellington Boone and Dale Bronner and John Haggai was because I want my lifeline. And it's not going to come from going to Miami Beach or going to the Bahamas on a cruise. If you want a word of God, you need to surround yourself by men of God that are, that are fresh with the Spirit of God, fresh with the, with the presence of God, that are inspired to speak the word of God. And all three of these men that I, that I met with for a whole week this year, all three of them had an incredible word of God for my life. And I'd rather that than any other word that would come and visit my life. So as we restore that water gate, the purpose of that is so that pastors around the world and leaders begin to make this place a real special place where the word of God issues forth. A young man came here a couple years ago and says, why don't you joke around and tell a couple jokes before you preach? And I said, because I'm not a comedian. I'm a preacher. I will issue forth the word of God. And Lord, help me never to preach anything that is not his word from this pulpit. 
and that the expressions of my words to my family and to my future and to my kids, that it would be the counsel of God. Father, we give you thanks tonight. You're a faithful God. You remind us of those things through your spirit, things that Jesus spoke. The word made flesh, the one that dwelt among us. The expressions and the glory of the invisible God. We pray that your word would have full capacity and presence in our lives, in our marriages, in our future, Lord. Your word is filled with creativity. You're the creator of all things, Lord. Lord, and let our words be cursed that do not speak your truth. Let our words fall to the ground and not prosper when they're not coming through your spirit, through your presence, through your heart. We pray that your word would issue forth powerfully in every marriage, in every relationship, in every employment. The expressions of good things, Lord. Expressions of fruitful things. The expressions of increase and favor. As you have promised, we would be the head and not the tail when we were diligently to observe to follow your command to make room for your word in our hearts in our lives that we might obey that word Lord for foolish is a man who hears a word and then doesn't do what it says foolish is a man who walks in his own pride not seeking the counsel of God foolish is the man who walks in the counsel of a sinner an unbeliever a fearful man and not a faithful man give us a heart for you O God let us become the reality and expression of your words here upon the earth, Lord. And let us echo your words, Father God. Let us repeat what you're saying. Because in your words there's a life, there's spirit, there's promise, there's purpose, there's prosperity, there's protection. Keep us, O oh Lord, always in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. In the house of God says amen.